Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. Lifehouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message. Lifehouse family, how are we feeling? All right. This is sounding like second service, all right? Well, the first thing, I'm actually, you know, when PJ was talking about gratitude, I'm actually, like, very grateful for my family. And uh, my wife is not here. She's actually in nursery right now. First service, I got them points. Because I was like, my wife is here. She got up. You know, everybody applaud. 12 years of marriage, you know? I went ahead and set the date, anniversary date, April 30th. You know, I said it right, getting points. I was stacking them points. Right? I was like, yes. So right now she's at a nursery, like I said, 12 years of marriage. And to me, that's so important, people. That's super important. Um, And the reason being is because I come from a broken home, you know. Um, My mom and my dad, they were separated when I was two years old. My My dad was an alcoholic abusive, um, crazy situation, right? So coming from there, that's why I fight nail teeth. I mean, killing ain't good, right? We all know that. But I would kill for my family. You know what I mean? No? (laughs) And the reason being is because I fought so hard to have one. Generational curses, I had to break divorces, alcoholism, you know, cheating, a whole bunch of stuff that happened throughout my family. It's not just my dad. I'm talking about going back, generations back. My grandfather, my great-grandfather, you know. um, My grandmother suffered so much. My mother suffered so much. And all the references that I have of what a man should be were distorted. They were distorted. And I just love the Lord's Prayer. Because here we see the Father's heart. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And just looking right there, we see intimacy. We see relationship, we see submission, we see provision, we see forgiveness, we see guidance, we see deliverance, all out of that prayer. And Jesus is teaching us to pray this way, but it's also saying where we stand with our relationship with God. And this is what I want to talk to you about today, the Father's heart. See, we start as somebody's son or daughter. We grow up, we have friends, we create relationship, we get married. Some don't get married, but create other type of relationship. Uh, we have kids, we become father or mother. Some don't have father, you know, don't become father or mother, but they could be that to other people like my brother here. And we need more of that, right? The beautiful thing about this is that God is being revealed in every situation when it comes to a reference A friendship, family, brother, sister. God is being revealed. But it's not just about being revealed. 
It's about what he's teaching us through this relationship. And the reference point that we should have. God reveals himself in our lives through all type of relationships. So we don't start off as a blank piece of paper. There's actually a structure. There's actually something that we could go back and look for as a reference. That reference, of course, is Jesus. As Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, he unveiled the depths of our relationship with the Heavenly Father. He reveals the intimate bond we share with our Heavenly Father. Just as the earthly Father is present and attentive to his children, our Heavenly Father is always with us. He never leaves us nor forsake us. Right? I like, how many have seen the movie 300? 300, movie 300. First one, the second one was, I think the second one was trash. Right? First one was good. Um, so the first movie, 300, I remember that part where Leonidas walks in, right, with his army, with 300, and the other, the other people had their army. Right? Remember that part? And um, they were looking at Leonidas, and they were like, yo, you have a small army. Right? But it's not, what do we say here at Lifehouse? It's not what? Yes. It's about what kind. It's not about how many. It's about what kind. Right? So when Leonidas starts to ask the other, the other armies that were bigger than his, more people than his, he starts to ask them, what is your profession? One of them says, I'm a farmer. What is your profession? The other one says, oh, I'm a teacher, just to say, mention something. What is your profession? I'm a salesman, whatever, right? But when he says, Spartans, what is your profession? You just hear the war cry. Oh, oh, oh. You guys remember that? Come on, don't leave me alone. You got you to be with me. You got to be with me. So, he goes ahead and says, Spartans, what is your profession? And they all shout, right? And we all have this image of what a man should be, right? What a man should become or provide or do. And all of those things are distorted because we're basing it of maybe real-life experience that we have here on earth. We have references of our fathers, our uncles, of other men in our lives. And most of the time, all those things that are being passed down is distorted. But when it comes to that part of the movie, I love it because you can have any profession. But what we should be from our core is men and women of God. We don't start with our profession. We start from a place of men and women of God. See, that was the difference between the other army and the Spartans. The other people in the army had their profession first and then went to war. See, the people of God shouldn't be that way. The people of God should know who they are, who they're becoming, be equipped, right? And then go out there and fight. We don't start from the place of our profession. We start from the place of what God has spoken over our lives. See, the ultimate goal is to honor God and reflect his character through the responsibility he has given us, seeking his guidance and strength and fulfilling them. This message is for the whole church, but especially for men. Because as men, they have a role, they have a responsibility. And that responsibility is about spiritual leadership, providing and protecting, nurturing and discipline, loving and honoring, serving in humility. See, over time, models begin to forget 
the true underlying data distribution. And this, this piece right here, I got it from an AI article. Okay, so that's the context. I'm sitting down, and I was just scrolling, and I was looking at some AI stuff. I'm a creative. So Photoshop, you know, Adobe, all these other programs, they're using a lot of artificial intelligence to work on, get a good starting point on the project you have. And it was so interesting to me when I read this. I mean, this is, this is crazy. So it says that over time, models begin to forget the true underlying data distribution, leading to an accurate presentation of reality. Because the original information becomes so distorted that it stops resembling real-world data. So this is happening when AI is creating something, and then another AI takes what the AI is creating and creates from there. Are you seeing the reference here? Given the serious implications of model collapse, isn't that what's happening in society today? Access to the original data distribution is critical. AI model needs real human pr produced data to accurately understand and simulate our world. I'm going to read that again. AI model needs real human produced data to accurately understand and simulate our world. There will be a model collapse if we do not bring God into our lives. We all need an accurate representation of reality and how things should be. And our reference point is God. See, if we don't go to the source, the same thing that's happening with artificial intelligence will happen to us. There will be a distortion of reality. We won't even know what's real and what's not because we have been imitating people that shouldn't be imitated. We have been following people that shouldn't be followed. And if we did at some point, like my grandfather or my dad, they taught me how to dance bachata. You know, they taught me how to dance merengue. They told me how to pick up a girl, but they never taught me to be a man of God. And that's the reason why there was a distortion in my life when it came to be a man, to be a husband, to be a father. I don't, I don't go out much. And the reason I don't go out much is because I was raised in the Dominican Republic and in New York City, Jamaica, Queens, 149th Street. Yeah. So, anybody from the north here? From New York? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. When you guys came to Virginia, did you guys think this was the south? No? No? Because I thought it was the south. I was like, Virginia, what? Is that in the south? But it's not. I love Virginia. I stayed, never went back. Okay? True story. Parenthesis. I was about to cross the street. And this lady stopped before I crossed the street. And being from New York, true story, being from New York, I'm walking. I'm, I'm fresh. I'm like a week or two here in Virginia. And the lady's coming. She's stopping, right? And I'm like, yo, what's about to happen? Like, am I going to get jumped? Are they going to ask for my sneakers? Like, what's, what's about to happen? Because in, in New York, in, in some neighborhoods, not all neighborhoods, but in some neighborhoods, when you see a car going slow, something about to happen. It's not for you to cross the street, okay? Write that down. 
right? If you ever go to Jamaica, Queens, you know, write that down. See, there is something called model collapse. And because of the references that I had, I, I didn't know how to be a good husband. I didn't know how to be a good father. I didn't know how to be a good man. It was even hard for me to, to transition. Even though I had the age of a man, it was hard for me to transition and actually become a man. Because nobody transitioned me to that manhood. I had no reference point. Not a good one, at least. So, going back to my family, I didn't like to go out. I don't like to celebrate anything. Not birthday, not graduation, not Mother's Day, not Father's Day, none of it. Like, it's all commercialized. Trying to take my money. But the underlying thing was that I was never celebrated growing up. Not one birthday. My dad did not call me once. Any of that. I didn't go out because I lived in a dangerous neighborhood and my mom didn't let me go out. So I was always inside. My house became my castle. And the reason why I'm saying this is that because we need to understand the underlying thing in our hearts and in ourselves of why we do the things we do and why we are the way we are. And it wasn't until I moved to Virginia and I saw other, other, other couples that were, oh, yeah, we walk on the beach. And I'm like, what kind of beach? What is that? What you mean? You just go out and walk, right? <laughs> I'm like, I, I didn't know any better. I didn't have no reference point. Not any good one, at least. So when I tried it, and I need, I need to try it for my family, for my, for my children, right? they're always asking me, Papi, when are we going to go out? Papi, when are we going to go out? And I'm like, oh, man, I don't like going out. But then when I did give it an opportunity, I was like, oh, this is how it is. Actually enjoying the breeze. Actually enjoying the birds singing. I'm like, what? It was new to me. And to you, it could be normal. And to you, it might be something else that you grew up with, that you say you don't like. Or you're afraid of trying because you grew up that way. So if there's something we can call good in mankind is the ability to imitate Christ, which is the only good reference we have. If there's something we can call good in mankind is the ability to imitate Christ, which is the only good reference we have. Yo, that's what saved my marriage. That's what's saving my relationship with my kids. That's what's saving my relationship with other people. Even as a man. Like I said, no reference point. From scratch. The only reference I got was God. Christ. Following my example as I follow the example of Christ, says Paul. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the tradition just as I pass them on to you. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of a woman is man and the head of Christ is God. First service, I said this is, this is even difficult reading and saying in today's society. The order of things, the structure of things, right? But when we really follow the word of God, that becomes easy. 
It's easy for a woman to submit to a man that is following Christ. It's easy for your children to follow you when you follow Christ. The problem here is that we want to do it our way. And our way is not the best way. God's way is the best way. And if we really look at this, Christ says that we should love our wives like he loves the, and what? And died for her. Woman, wouldn't you like to submit to a man like that? Wouldn't it die for you? <laughs> Willing to serve you. And I say this because this, this verse right there, that helped me so much throughout my marriage. Like I said, I come from a family where my grandfather used to come home drunk. My grandmother couldn't tell him nothing. I would roll down with a bicycle, right? I was like, what, 11, 12 in the neighborhood in Dominican Republic. That's where my grandfather was. And I remember with the bike, seeing my grandfather in front of a bar playing domino, sometimes with a prostitute in his leg, just holding her. No respect for my grandmother, no respect for anything else. And my grandmother still submitted. But the thing about that part, that, that side of the coin is that that hardened heart Starts to, what's the word? Ablandar. It starts to soften. Because when we represent Christ, and we have a good reference of Christ, the people around us will change. The people around us will have a good reference point. They will be ministered because many people will not pick up a Bible. They'll read you, though. My grandmother and my mother came to the feet of Christ because of me and my brother. And I remember we gave our life to Christ, and back then it was different. When I gave my life to Christ back then, I remember my grandmother and my mother, they brainwashed you. Because back then, it was really like legalistic and so many things happening when I was growing up and more in a third world country. You can imagine. But when they saw that we prayed, when they saw that they said, you can't go to church. They told me how to go to church, me and my brother, and we listened. But they saw us praying in the house. They saw us reading in the house. And it got to a point where they were like, the kids have really changed. This has been good for them. And that started the journey where they allowed us to go to church. And next thing you know, they came along. And next thing you know, they gave their life to Christ. And next thing you know, they got baptized. And now it's funny. Because now it's, it's, it's like, yeah, my son, my son, they're Christian. Now they're proud. That's where that the Lord's prayer, that second part, says, thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As, a, as, as fathers, as, as a church, as a community, we have the privilege and responsibility to cultivate an environment that reflects our Father's kingdom. A place of love, justice, and righteousness. I think we could all agree that there is a lack of harmony in society. And it's based on responsibility. Nobody wants to assume the responsibility. Men, we need to assume a responsibility. Woman, we need to assume the responsibility. Church, we need to assume our responsibility. Responsibility plays a crucial role in individual and collective well-being. Personal growth and societal harmony. When people fulfill their responsibilities, they build trust with others and establish a reputation for being reliable and dependable. Trust is essential for healthy relationship and effective collaboration. When I'm responsible, my kids see that I'm responsible. It's easier for them to be obedient. Because I'm not coming from a place of I'm telling you. I'm coming from a place of I'm showing you. And a lot of people don't want anything to do with church because of Christians. Because there has been a model collapse. We have been learning and learning from man itself instead of going to the source and learning from God and his word. That's why I love what PJ is doing with the, with the sermon series, Jesus and. And, that's, and, that, and that other sermon series within a sermon series, which was Jesus and the scripture. We need to learn more about the scripture. That's how we know the heart of God. That's how we get to know him. The righteous, Proverbs 27 says, the righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. We need to become guiding lights. We need to do less talking, more doing, more showing, more acting. That's where tradition comes in. The right type of tradition. I'm talking about the tradition that comes from man. I'm talking about the tradition that is aligned with the word of God. Where we go ahead and celebrate. Where we go ahead and, and, and mark our calendars for things that are happening. To, to remember the things that God has done. Growing up, I didn't have that. But one of the things I started doing when I became a Christian was actually writing down the miracles that God has done in my life. That's helped me so much because when I, when I feel my faith is crumbling down, I could look back. And I could see that God is real. He did it once. He'll do it again. He's not hijo de hombre para mentir ni hijo de hombre para arrepentirse. He's not a man to lie or a son of a man to repent for what he says. Preserving God's word and teaching, maintaining identity and unity, honoring God's work and celebration, learning from the wisdom of the past generation. This is why it's our responsibility. We're a tribe. We're a family. We do community together. 
Some people might not have a father figure. They might need you in their life. If you're, if you're an elderly couple, pour into younger couples. If you've been through something, share it. Because that could be tools for somebody else's toolbox. And we need it. But we have to be careful, like I said, with traditions that are not from God. I remember this story um, that I read once. And it was about this uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And you had the, the daughter, the mother, the great, the great, uh, the grandmother, and the great-grandmother. And they were all in Thanksgiving dinner. And the, it was the daughter's turn to do the turkey. So they're all over. The family's over. She's doing the turkey, and she's seasoning the turkey and all that good stuff. And then she cuts the turkey. Great-grandmother is there. She's like, child, what are you doing? She was like, great-grandmother, this is your recipe. This is how you do your turkey. She was like, I just had a small oven, and I had to cut the turkey. See, sometimes tradition without context is a problem. And there's a lot of people doing things that they learn from somebody else without context. Without knowing what the situation was. Why they did what they did. And sometimes we follow those traditions. And we think it's a recipe. When it could have been done a better way. Because the source was not present. See, when the source was present, the source was able to give context. The source is Christ. The Bible is the source. That's the only way that I was, I was able to maintain my family. If I would have gone to how my father acted or my grandfather acted, I could tell you what, Annie wouldn't be with me now. And I wouldn't have my kids with me. But I have a reference. Sometimes I think about my father and I'm like, I learned throughout my walk that people can't give what they don't have. And if my father would have been alive now, I would have probably tried to have a relationship with him. Because I have so many questions. I'm like, why was he the way he was? Why did he go into alcoholism? Why did he look for, you know, maybe trying to look for something good somewhere else? And I just, it hit me so hard when I had my son. And I held my son in my hands. First, I saw my wife giving birth. That was traumatic. That firstborn, man. See that baby coming out, you're like, what? Jesus. <laughs> but when I held that child in my hand, I'm like, I would die for you. And that's when it hit me. Like when my dad had me, he didn't feel this. What I'm feeling now that I would die for him, that I would do anything for this child. But then I think, you know, with my walk with Christ, Christ has showed me so much how to forgive and have empathy and, and try to understand. And I'm like, I don't know what drove him to alcoholism. I don't know what drove him away from our family. I, I don't have those questions. 
But I'll tell you what, if he was alive, I would be a reference point for him. Because what he did in half, maybe I could pour it to him. Mark 7, 8 says, you have to let go of the commands of God. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. The ultimate authority remains God's word. And tradition should align with his principles and teachings. I say this because when we look at Jesus' teaching and what the Father does, he's, we, we say it in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, forgive us. Right? As you have forgiven us. Sometimes it's so hard for us to forget loved ones or family members or fathers or mothers or friends. Like I said, we have to be the reference point. We're the ones who knows, who knows Christ. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And we say here in Lifehouse, we are training, not trying. And because of this training, I have become a better father. I have become a better husband. I have become a better friend. But above everything else, I think we could all agree that we all need a little bit more fear of God. But we need to have a definition for what fear of God is. Because it's not being afraid. And the definition according to the Bible encompasses a deep reverence, awe, and respect for the divine nature, authority, and holiness of God. It involves acknowledging God's supreme power, wisdom, and sovereignty over all creation. Fearing God includes a willingness to submit to his authority and follow his commands. It is an acknowledgement that God's way are higher and wiser than our own ways. God's way are higher and wiser than our own ways. Let me say that one more time. <laughs> God's way are higher and wiser than our own. It involves aligning our lives with his moral standards and seeking to live in accordance to his will. This obedience flows from a deep respect for God's authority and desire to honor him in all aspects of our life. You know, one of the crazy things that I learned throughout my 37 years, I know I don't look 37, thank you, is that God doesn't tell us to do things because he just wants us to do it. Everything God tells us to do is for us more than it is for him. As a good father, he wants his children to live a good life. And you can only live a good life when you follow God's rules. I know there's a lot of people here that are, um, what's it called, more seasoned, right? And I know all the seasoned people can agree that they get to a point in life where they just, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do it. Because experience had taught them that his way is way better than our way. Don't try to sugar sugarcoat it with some of you or, or try to put some of you in there. No, no, no. God's way is the perfect way. It doesn't need your input. It just needs your obedience. It needs your yes. The fear of God 
knowing that we want to honor him, honor his way and understanding that he wants what's best for us. I was reading, well, PJ sent me something um, from John Tyson. And I'm like, man, this really aligns with, with what I'm going to be preaching. It was one of those confirmations, if you would say, um, where you're preparing a message and somebody sends you something. It's like, ah, yes, God is talking, right? And PJ sent me this from John Tyson. It says, the most important thing a man can do in secular culture is to seek God. And he brought this, this from Psalms 105, 4, 5. says, seek the Lord and strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous work that he has done, his miracles and the judgment he utters. And I like where it says, seek the Lord and his strength. Because it's not enough just to seek the Lord. Sometimes I need his strength to actually seek him. I don't know how many can agree with it. I'm like, Lord, I need your strength to read this word today. Lord, I need your strength to actually pray today and be intentional. See, secularism disciples are meant to uh, disciples are meant to learn to live without God. That's what society is doing. It's trying to disciple a man to live without God, and a man that lives without God. Is a distorted model. is a, is a collapse of, of what the model should be. Go ahead with the next slide. Josie, if you could come up. It says, the most important thing a man can do in a secular culture is not to get caught up in cultural wars or heated arguments. The most important thing he could do is build his life around the presence of God. It's learning to disciple your attention to acknowledge the reality of God in all of life. To build rhythms of remembrance about who God is and what he has done. The tradition, creating those traditions. It's to make your faith public and visible. Not just private and devotional. Make it public and visible. And it's because what I said, a lot of people, the only Bible they will read is you. So when we take that responsibility as a church, as people, as men and women of God. When we take that responsibility and say, you know what? I have to mirror Christ because people will see me. I need to mirror Christ because people will read me and might not even pick up a, a Bible. And this is so broad. And I wish I could have gone into specific details of, of different things a little bit more. But I think you guys got the heart of the message. That the Father's heart is to be wanted, y'all. It's for you to want Him so that when you receive Him, you're able to be what you were intended to be. Not a model learning from another model, but actually learning from the source. So that we could be the husband we need to be. So that we could be the fathers we need to be. So that we could forgive 
so we can love, so we can be just. Because we have the reference point. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Because being righteous is just to be in right standing with God. And Jesus made that possible. So I want to celebrate all the fathers here today. I want to celebrate all the sons and daughters here today. And know that you have a task. Know that you have a responsibility as a church, as people, as women and men of God. So when you're asked again, what is your profession? You know what to say. I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. First above anything else. I'm very passionate about my family. That's the reason why I die every single day. To myself. Because I know what it is to live in a broken home. I know what it is to have a mother and a grandmother crying at night. Suffering. And I know what it is to see a man that's broken and ashamed. Because I really think that my father was never around because he was ashamed to be around, being an alcoholic. I got to see him walking to school. I got to see him in the, in the community park, laying there, passed out, drunk. He was probably ashamed. But I never had the opportunity to have the conversation with him. I wish I could. But my father was like the thief at the cross. Because, a little backstory, he basically, on one of his alcoholic, uh, drunkard night, he fell, hit his head, never got it checked out. Next thing you know, he developed a tumor in his head. And he was out of it. He would forget who we were. Um, I was actually in the academy, in the police academy, when, when I got the call that he was doing pretty bad. And I was, I was in the gun range. And the instructors said, told me, they were like, are you still going to go ahead and, uh, and, and try to shoot? You know, like, Ed, go to the, to the range and, and pass the test. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I was very cold. My dad was dying. I was like, he ain't going to slow me down. Slow me down my whole life. He ain't slowing me down now. But I wish I could have been there. And I received the news that a girl from church visited him and he gave his life to Christ before he died. It wasn't me. It wasn't my brother. 
And I forgave myself for that. Because that, that should have been me by his bedside. But God the Father is his Father too. Just like he was present for me, he was present for him. I don't know where you stand today, but God the Father is present for you. I don't know which side you're on. I don't know if you feel like you haven't been a good father. I don't know if you feel like you're a great father or you're a daughter or a son. But God wants to do something through you. And just like God the Father was there for you, God the Father will be there for them. But you could be that instrument he used. You could be that instrument. You could be that reference point of Christ. Showing his love. Showing forgiveness. Honoring God the Father. Because he has forgiven us. Let's bow our heads. If you need that Father today. That good, good Father. All you have to do is say yes. Here at Lifehouse, we believe that just by saying yes to Christ, receiving him into your heart, you start that relationship with God. And I just want to go ahead and pray, and I want the church to pray with me. And anybody else here that wants to say yes to Jesus, I want you to repeat with me, Father God, we come before you knowing that you are a great Father. And we want to say yes to everything you have to offer. Your salvation, your love, and all your gifts so that we could be a light for this world and others. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. That gave us the example to follow. And be the reference point. That we needed. In Jesus name. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot Lifehouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about Lifehouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.